0: And now we focus back on Grossman who has all day and goes deep. Barry and down the middle. Hit in stride. Touchdown Chicago. No flags. Hasselbeck had trouble with his snap. Briggs makes the play, and the Bears
1: take over. It's
0: third down and ten. Grossman steps up and hits Rashid Davis. And Rex Grossman knew immediately where he was going with the football. So officially 49 yards. Maynard gets it
1: down. Gold wins it.
0: Backfield, 4K in the slot to the left Butler Will take it himself Into the end zone For a Bears touchdown Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. It's time to remember this crap with Mike Donahue. Today we're remembering Bears and Seahawks crap in anticipation of the exciting game coming up on Sunday in Seattle Key against the mighty Seahawks, where they'll be playing outdoors. Um... So, as always, you can subscribe to this podcast at discipio.com. You can subscribe to the Pointless Exercise newsletter at Uh There's a sale until uh, right after the first of the year, so you might as well sign up. Uh, they lied to me. They claimed they fixed the gift subscription thing. They didn't, and they apologized to me. Gift subscriptions are a full price, but honestly, I think that makes the gift even better. Uh, you can, <laughs> I mean, might as well spend an extra 30% on the gift um
1: shows how much you care
0: it does uh you can uh follow us on instagram at, at instagram.com slash pointless exercise one uh and uh somebody's gonna win their choice of t-shirts from the pointless exercise discipio shop and uh there is a brand new shirt in the store mike it's very exciting oh. i don't think anybody else is gonna buy it i made it and put it in there so that i could buy it for my Grand nephew.
1: You have a niece and nephew that has reproduced.
0: Yes, he's a. Uh, we love him Second like a love him top. like a full nephew. He's a step nephew, and no. him and his wife had a <laughs> uh, had a baby, and the baby is a little over one. And my brother in law is a cardinal fan, and so so is his son. And so uh, there's a, you can buy a shirt, uh, in toddler size, either two T or four T, that says. My daddy and my grand and my grandpa make me root for the Cardinals, <laughs> and that's the only Christmas present that kid's getting. So I hope the hope his parents put him in the shirt at least for a picture. So you it's can buy that idea. shirt too if it applies to anyone in your life.
1: It's a great idea for a stocking stuffer.
0: Um, yeah, my wife asked if if they have dog stuff in that shop. They don't, but I would think. Our dogs could probably wear a 2T.
1: Can we get at Lassie Edmonds? Uh, yeah. I, forget, but I forgot what number he wore for the Cubs.
0: He was good old 15, right? Just like he was with oh, he the Cardinals? Been. I think he was. I think that's right. Yeah. I think they uh, they couldn't retire it for, uh, was that Domingo Ramos? Was he 15?
1: Yes, it was in 1989. Um, boy, I can't think of any others that spring to yeah, mind. Yeah,
0: 15 is not a, uh, oh, uh, Brandon Morrow. Later, would wear 15. Uh, A pitcher. Uh, I cannot, yeah,
1: I cannot think of any other 15. It's
0: weird. There are some numbers that just don't get worn much.
1: I can, however, recall a number 15 with the Bears, Mike Phipps, of course, who we went over last week. Oh, of
0: course. And Jim Miller. And Jim Miller, big Jim, our Jim Miller, yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, so the uh, Bears and Seahawks rivalry. Uh, does not go back that long because the Seahawks don't go back that long they've only they've played 18 times however since uh the turn of the of the century the Bears have won three playoff games two of them are against the Seattle Seahawks lovey only won three playoff games ever he only won two playoff games against teams with winning records and he only beat one team that wasn't the Seahawks
1: Correct. The Seahawks, if, if it wasn't for the Seahawks, I think of how, where we would derive our joy from.
0: So apparently uh, Matt Hasselbeck at some point, I guess last year, must have been a uh, color analyst for Adam Amin. Because during one of the games that Adam Amin was doing uh, for Fox, he, Hasselbeck's name came up and he said something about how he was uh, uh, public Enemy Number One or something in Chicago, and he was referring to the fact that he had started two playoff games against the Bears, but Bears fans love Matt Hasselbeck because he lost both of them. Right. He's Actually, I think with... the only thing we're mad at him about is he blew that playoff game against the Packers with the Seahawks.
1: Correct. Yeah. Otherwise, he's on that mantle of Phil Simms and Dieter Brock and yeah. Tony Eason. Um, but they did Andrew they, beat, Brees. they Andrew? Yeah, yeah. That's another. That's another. Honestly, that
0: should be enough to keep Drew Brees out of the Hall of Fame. Hey, lost to the Bears. lost a playoff game to the Bears. Daddy did. Is that the only Hall of Fame quarterback that the Bears have beaten in the playoffs?
1: Uh that the Bears have beaten in the playoffs. I mean, if you go away, uh, if you
0: count like NFL championship games as playoffs, then I, I'm sure they Sa- beat some.
1: Yeah, well, Sammy Bao would be one, and Y.A. Tittle, I guess, would be one. But, uh, um, you know, Joe Theismann's not in the Hall of Fame. Randall Cunningham is not in the Hall of Fame. So. Um, and whoever their quarter, the saints, because the, you know, the saints like the Seahawks are a team that the bears, Oh, Steve, we know it twice. We playoffs. know, John, we know Steve Forcade? Walsh. Oh, that's Remember?
0: right. Remember John Forcade had to come in and off the bench.
1: <sighs> yeah. I forgot. You forgot the bears and the saints have actually played in the playoffs three times. Oh, that's the, 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 the saints are up there, but. Uh, but the fact that, yeah, they're, they're two for two against the, the, the Seahawks are the uh, one of only two teams the Bears have uh, played at least once in the playoffs, never lost to. The other one being the Minnesota Vikings, uh, oh, yes. wherein Coach Dave Wanstead let us do. Ah, why? Uh, <laughs>
0: uh, but the series, um, the series between the Bears and the Seahawks, um, they played 18 times. One of the teams has 11 wins. Which team do you think has 11 wins? Uh,
1: I got to go with the, is it the Seahawks?
0: It's the Seahawks. I surprised Okay. You.
1: Yeah. I mean, so they, yeah, they were an expansion team with, I was always a little bit fascinated by the Seahawks because I knew that they were like this relatively new team. Like they'd come into the league with Tampa in 76. And we were of course familiar with Tampa cause they, uh, well, eventually they settled in the Bears division. That wasn't really how it started the first year, but they were divisional rivals, and we knew that they were woeful, and then suddenly they're in the conference title game. Uh, but then there's that other team in the AFC that was also kind of struggling uh, in their early years until they, you know, they. they, they you know, they also enjoyed some success um, early on. I think I think I looked, I saw where they played the Bears in 78. I don't remember that. I just remember two sort of annoying games in the Kingdom in 82 and 84. They played in 82 because both teams were playing last-place schedules, and 84 was just the regular uh, NFC Central, AFC West, because, of course, Seahawks were in the AFC back then. But And, of course, I made, made a reference to the 76 season where Tampa was not originally the Bears' uh uh, division. I think Tampa came into the league as an AFC team. And I think Seattle was an NFC West or something. And then, so it's a weird sort of a migration for the franchise. If that's true, they started the NFC, then went to the AFC for 25 years. And then they've been back in the NFC for the last 18 kind of yeah. a strange
0: history. Yeah. They moved back in Oh two. As part right after of- re- after
1: realignment. That was realignment. Realignment was Oh two. Yes cuz oh, 2001 was the last season of the NFC Central and you know the Central East and West. So who were the O2 teams? Uh so in O2 well, did they play the Seahawks and Bears play each other not no the Bears No, and, I mean who the,
0: who who came Bear, one team came was it the Texans? Okay. The and Browns
1: were... the, the Browns unbalanced it when the you know yep. they they they, they piston moan and they got a team uh by themselves right because they added they added
0: just an afc team
1: yes to satisfy cleveland and then then they uh, added
0: another afc team but then they kicked an afc team out seattle always wanted to be in the nfc west anyway because then they would get the at least the 49ers and then eventually the rams came back and they got the rams too and Right. Less yeah, travel. That, were, Less that, travel that probably for them. worked
1: out. They never quite, outside of like an era that I'm sure we'll discuss a little bit, a little bit of a brief early glory era in the early 80s, they, they didn't quite, probably because they were an expansion team, but, you know, those other four AFC West teams have, have had a very pretty, pretty uh, healthy rivalry since the days of the AFL. You're talking about the Broncos, the Raiders. Uh, the Chargers and the Chiefs. Um and that was the Seahawks were sort of the fifth wheel in yeah.
0: that division. So I guess the, the only thing they saved because there were all there were there were two California teams in the AFC West was the trip to Kansas City. Right. But when you're right. in Seattle, nothing's close.
1: No, there's no team in Portland. Um San Francisco's your closest city. I mean when they That's...
0: finally the, when the, they finally expanded forty teams and they put the they put that team in <laughs> Minsk, then Seattle will finally have somebody <laughs> close that they can fly to.
1: They just gotta push a little boat off of the pier in Sarah Palin's backyard, and they'll be there in no time.
0: So, yeah, Minsk is on my mind because on Curb on uh, Sunday, Larry dropped a very subtle Seinfeld reference—a
1: callback to to uh, Rochelle, he talked, Rochelle. He
0: didn't. He didn't mention Rochelle. Rochelle, but he did say something about uh, uh, the the uh, one one girls. Um,
1: Journey from
0: Milan to Minsk. He said it, but he didn't say did the he, name of the. Yeah.
1: Did he really? Yeah. Wow. Kind of a nod and a wink. Well, on,
0: well, on you HBO. know on the show he is he's a version of himself. Well, the on the Kirby show he is he is the Seinfeld creator. So,
1: Kirby, I've always described Kurbur enthusiasm, and I love it. I, I I don't have HBO, so I'm not current on it, but I've seen enough of it to uh, form a cogent opinion. It is George Costanza distilled, is yeah. what it is. It's like a concentrated well, yeah, I mean,
0: version. George of George was Larry. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of the most famous Seinfeld things was when remember the scene where George g- digs the eclair out of the garbage can? It's the whole one with the it's a it's a it's a great one where they go to the they go to that other people's house and he's he's been in the pool and the door opens up Sh- and the woman shrinkage? sees it behind the shrink, he screams about the shrinkage. There also a scene of- where okay. somebody throws an eclair away but it's just sitting on the top. It hasn't it's on paper and it's just sitting there, and he George eats it right out of the garbage can. And when they did it, somebody somebody on the set is like, Well, this, we got to get rid of it. This is ridiculous. Nobody would do this. And Larry goes, What do you mean nobody would do this? I've done it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a he lot wrote of the, it. A lot of the horrible it. things George did, Larry had already actually done it. Around. Which
1: is totally believable when you watch the set pieces on Curb, no doubt.
0: So, anyway, I guess back to the Seahawks.
1: I guess. Yeah, the the Jack Patera early Seahawks were really nothing, and you know. Uh, but they had – we we had a reference to Jim Zorn uh playing for the Packers yep. a couple times in 85 against the Bears, and it was weird for us to see him because we we sort of identified him with that – you know, the Seahawks kind of had cool colors. They, they, they were always an intriguing team. They played on the NBC network. Uh You never really saw them because they weren't really that good, but Zorn racked up some pretty good seasons for that team. They kind of turned a corner, and when they started to turn a corner – uh, they got rid of Zorn for the uh, tiny handed future bear Dave Craig. I don't know I don't remember how that worked out if Zorn lost his job to injury. Uh but Craig took them to an unlikely title game, I think, in eighty two or eighty three. And then they were largely sort of I guess competitive through you know the eighties, but that was that was it until the modern the modern era has surpassed it. But that was all that the uh, the Seahawks had in the Dave, first 20, 20 some odd years. So
0: of course Dave Craig Uh, from Wisconsin.
1: From a college that
0: doesn't exist anymore? One of two uh, NFLers to come from Milton College.
1: It sounds like something from uh, Animal House.
0: And while Dave was playing in the NFL, Milton College ceased to exist. (laughs) Uh, Him and Dave Kravveld would have been teammates at Milton, and they both played in the NFL. Dave uh, played for the Seahawks. Wow, they
1: had a um, pipeline.
0: Actually, Dave uh, started off at UW Whitewater, couldn't hack it, went and transferred to Milton, and then ended up playing <laughs> uh, playing twelve games in the NFL in nineteen seventy eight.
1: So he must be a native uh, Wisconsinite, huh? I'm guessing. Dave Craig? Unless, yeah, unless somehow he got recruited to play Division three in he's America's from, Dairyland.
0: He's from Iola, Iola, Wisconsin. Okay which I honestly couldn't tell you, where is Iola, Wisconsin?
1: Unlike Jim Zorn, Dave Craig was right-handed, so it was a little more normal. That's what made Jim Zorn stand out, That the fact that he had a couple of really good years, thanks to Steve Largent. But just like how Jerry Rice transferred from Joe Montana to Steve Young, Largent enjoyed success with Jim Zorn as well as Dave Craig, which I think – uh, it's fair to probably look back and say, boy, Steve Largent was really damn good because yeah. I'm not so sure about Jim Zorn and Dave Craig. We saw Dave Craig up close in
0: 1996. <laughs> we did. Uh, so, so Iola, Wisconsin, for those people who are wondering, is uh, located uh, between Green Bay and Stevens Point, closer to Stevens Point. Uh, it's in uh, beautiful, um, uh, where is it, in Wa- in uh, Waupaca County. It's named after a uh, Potawatomi girl. So there you go. Like, uh, population in 2010 of uh, 1,301. Yeah. Which uh, I got to tell you is 200 more people than live in the town that I grew up near. So.
1: Oh, there you go. You can relate.
0: Yes. I didn't even grow up in the town. I grew up on a farm outside of the town. So did Dave, I would guess. Sure. I doubt sure. he was living in Iola.
1: <laughs> do you think if Dave Craig, what does he have to do if he needs to get his transcripts if the, if the college is closed?
0: sure um, Must be some probably school that houses them I don't know where milton was but yeah I would, I would assume they just had to hand him over to the closest I mean, real the college. For, it
1: wasn't for the foot you know, like what the foot you mean the football program closed no the whole school closed
0: that's unfortunate oh milton's in Rock county See, I could walk there for just here. over
1: the just over the border yeah so down the road from whitewater then too
0: yeah, I'm gonna guess that's probably where you go to get your transcript. Um, nice,
1: but it wasn't. It's not a public school. That wasn't part of the UW system. No, right but there. I would
0: guess they made an arrangement with there's some a registrar to keep things mm-hmm. on file. Um, For sure, Beloit would also be. You maybe you have to go to Beloit College to get Milton College's transcripts.
1: Well, there you go. The more the more you know.
0: Yeah, just down 59 from Whitewater, mm-hmm. Milton College. There you go. How exciting. So the Bears and the Seahawks plur- first played in 1976. The Bears bludgeoned the Seahawks 34-7. to 7.
1: They'd have no excuse not to since it was their first season.
0: They would then play in, in 78, 82, 84, and 87, and the Bears would lose them all. Wow, I didn't know
1: that. So the first victory was on opening day, 1990? The, the mini Ditka Renaissance. Yes. Uh, so, so it would be okay. So let's unpack a couple of those real quick. Uh, 82 was McMahon's rookie year. They lost. The kingdom was loud. But 84, I, I only call that back for your benefit because that's, of course, uh, one of your earliest memories of a Bears quarterback. And that's, of course, the great Bob Avellini. Get twitchy uh, just get thinking him. about it.
0: Yeah, a twenty to fourteen loss. So it's all Avelini's fault.
1: And I think I think what's what's beautiful about it is that the the moment that you sort of have in your head, just like my Vince Evans moment with, with a more positive thing, uh, very may well have been the last pass that Bob Avelini ever threw. So this, I think there might I don't know what that says or if that's fitting, but it feels fitting. Um, Eighty seven. I was at this game and not realizing the Bears. Wait. Well, the, the, so the Bears beat him in seventy six
0: and they lost to him in seventy eight, did you say?
1: You yes. said I know they lost in 78. Okay, 80, so the it,
0: game sorry. the game that I threw the tantrum in is nineteen seventy eight. And it's at Soldier Field, not in Saint Louis. Oh Um I mean Seattle. What did I say Saint so Louis? I, yeah. yeah. So Evelini Cardinals did that me. so Evelini because That's the last games. time he played against um that's the last time he played against the Seahawks.
1: No, but he he played in '84 though. We unearthed that.
0: Oh he, well, in the '84 box score here, he's not in it. Are you sure? But that we would make more up. sense. We because I up. wouldn't. I was I was, in, I would be way too young. Oh, you're wrong. I was at the wrong one. Yes, absolutely. Okay, you're right. And he threw yeah. a pick. He started. I
1: think, I, yeah, but he got benched. I think didn't he? Yes, he did. It did you know that was '84? He yeah, got I mean, benched rusty, for Lish. rusty Lish. Yeah, Lish came in the game,
0: and then okay, eventually, because otherwise, yeah, there was no way that was. I thought it's another. Thing. We're gonna we're gonna unearth something later in the pod that I had misremembered.
1: Well, because I'm like you're you're pretty good, but I look I, I have yeah, no memories prior to '79, so I'd be astonished if you, uh, a year younger than me, would oh have remembered anything. i remember nothing from '78, so. But it is interesting that Bob Avellini had not one but two shitty games. Um, against an expansion team that wasn't even in his conference, yeah, yeah. Or at least he, he threw a, interceptions. He was really was something,
0: something. So he, he was.
1: So so the but '84 game, I think that was Ditkhead. And Evelini, we joke about how he somehow manages keep hanging around. He was came in with that class in '75 when Jim Finks first got to town. Uh, and that Seahawks game, I'm pretty sure that was his last game, and I'm pr- very sure that it's very possible that interception was the last pass he ever
0: threw. It looks like he threw the interception to um, Keith Simpson. Wasn't Kenny Easley? Who was, only, who was one of two Seahawks to return an interception for a touchdown in the game. Was Easley the other one? Uh, Terry no, Jackson he, caught a rusty he, lish pass and went 62 yards. Keith, Keith simply went 39 with Bob's. Uh, and that uh, the Bears were winning. And then uh, Keith, or then Aveline threw the pick to Keith Simpson. And then I stormed See, out That of the adds room. up.
1: That adds up because the Bears were playing well. and they would win the division. This is the beginning. Is... Yeah. So. That game, too, where uh, Franco Harris
0: is on
1: the because at that point, Peyton had not yet broken Jim Brown's uh, all-time rushing record and it was neck and neck with Franco. And Jim Brown, of course, was openly lobbying for Jim uh, for Peyton to break his record before Franco could. Um, Franco was done. He spent his whole career at Pittsburgh and was standing on the Seattle sideline. He didn't do much, and he never did. Uh, I don't even think he ever approached Brown's record even after Peyton.
0: Yeah, so in that game in '84, the Bears took a seven nothing lead on a Matt Matsui pass from Walter Payton. <laughs> Love it. We uh, nah, weren't even, you know, like all right, fine, Bob, don't so you sit this one out. So they get up seven nothing. They don't score again until the fourth quarter when Seattle gets called for holding in their end zone, and they, it's a safety. <laughs>
1: oh, another safety. They seem to cover that cut the lead to
0: thirty one to nine when that happened. Oof. The Bears would lose that game thirty eight to nine. Yeah, the Bears were three and zero. Going yeah. into that game in the Kingdom, they, three o'clock ba- on they, CBS.
1: They bounced back once uh, they got Steve Fuller to like prop up McMahon. That was that was the, the that was all they needed to compete in '84. They already had the defense. Uh, the Packers game at the end of the year is hilarious. I stumbled across it once again uh, on a YouTube rabbit hole dive where, the, you know, the Ditko was so frustrated with the aforementioned Rusty Lish that he actually had Peyton take a series uh, under center. And uh, then they brought out the uh, the silver-haired Greg Landry. I mean, uh, I mean that's a, that's sort of a, a theme that reoccurs before and after the Super Bowl is the lack of depth at quarterback. It becomes more obvious many years later. But but yeah, the eighty so the eighty seven game uh, I got to go to, and it was Walter Payton's last regular season home game, which was very emotional. Even for a you know, cynical fifteen-year-old kid, I was—I was a bit. Uh, I remember being a bit verklempt. Um, you know, I was privileged to have seen so much of uh, of Peyton's career on television and in person. Um, but the thing is, was really what I think about this game too is that I don't remember what Peyton did. Uh, Nothing special. He didn't have a big year in 87. Anderson started to overtake him in carries, but uh, it was one of the few positive plays that Brian Bosworth made late in the game to make a key tackle, I believe. To keep and the Bears frustratingly lost. I don't think Seattle was worth the damn much in '87. I think their, their little playoff sojourn had sort of died mm-hmm. down.
0: And well, the win the, they were nine and five after the
1: win. Okay, I take it back. So they were still they were tough, but still the Bears were two years removed from a Super Bowl. They were in that pattern. Yeah, though, the Bears came in about. ten and three. Yeah, we. There was the strike season, so it'd only be a fifteen game schedule. But uh, the Bears had had fallen into this pattern immediately after the Super Bowl, where they would dominate, or they'd always dominate the division. Um, you know, they'd always go seven and one or six and two. They'd always get off to a hot start, and then they'd always just limp into December with maybe throwing a few humiliating national TV losses in San Francisco, and uh, it always ended up like two and four, limping into the playoffs, and it was just really dispiriting that they lost that game. Yeah, Seattle was good, but the Bears should have been, uh, you know, taking, uh, taking taking charge, and they lost a close game. And I was I remember it was one of the few times that Brian Bosworth did anything that was worth a shit as a player. So yeah, so that's all
0: uh, I got. Peyton ran 17 times for 79 yards. He scored two touchdowns, including one early in the fourth quarter to cut the lead to six. And then, well, this is crazy, uh, former uh, Arena League star and grocery uh Grocery store employee Kurt Warner played running back for the Seahawks in this game for some reason. And he scored two touchdowns. God, I gotta see the movie because I don't remember that. He also also spelled his name with a C back then, and he was black.
1: Let's let's consider for a minute, folks. That Kurt Warner of the C and State played for Joe Paterno. He actually was a very good running back. I I actually would never have guessed he was still in the league in eighty seven. What I remember about Kurt Warner of the Captain is that uh, it was like a Monday day game in 85, I think because the baseball playoffs ran into it for some reason. They had two, Like, they have two Monday games now, but for some reason 85 it was a day game uh, before the actual Monday night football game to kick off. I th- I'm pretty sure it was the 85 season. Kurt Warner was coming off a, a phenomenal, I think, a rookie year in 84. I could be wrong, but, you know, he was early into his career. But he
0: it was a rookie in it, 83, and he only played okay. one game in 84. It, must have been it was
1: record. opening day. He blew out his knee on Monday. It was so it was a... Uh, I don't know who who Seattle will be playing. Well, you, you don't have the game. i You just see the stat line. But I want to say that uh, if it was '84, when the uh, the Royals was and the were playing, okay. So I don't know why well, I, might have, I might have that wrong.
0: Nothing.
1: Yeah, I might have that wrong about being oh, one won game, thirty-three nothing. He did he did blow out his knee, and the Seahawks were good. I mean, we just already identified that. I think they were coming off the. Uh, well, they were two years removed from a conference title game. So it looked like he was going to be a great running back, and that knee cut him down. So good for Kurt Warner of the Sea to come back and uh, shove it up the Bears hiney when he'd already had, you know, reconstructive surgery in 87. I didn't remember that, even though I was there.
0: Is Kurt Warner with the Sea the all-time leading rusher in Seattle Seahawks history? Is he? I'm asking uh, him, is
1: he? I, No, it'd have to be Sean Alexander, yeah,
0: I'm guessing. Sean Alexander by a lot, by, by okay. more than 3,000 yards. Okay, is,
1: is Warner second, though? Uh... I'm sorry to pepper you with these questions. I was just, like, kind of free free association here with the uh, Seattle. I, I, I can't really think of uh, – I, I guess Warner kind of was their piece. I mean,
0: if he would stayed well, healthy – Oh Marshawn is probably in there somewhere. Oh, yeah, that's right, that's right.
1: But, you know, had that Chris Warren Warren
0: is number two. Remember Chris Warren ran. He actually, how about this? Chris Warren is number two by one yard over Kurt Warner. And then Marshawn is fourth. And Russell Wilson is fifth. Mm. (laughs) Russell Wilson's run for almost 5,000 yards.
1: There might be some diehard Seahawks fans somewhere arguing that in an alternate history where Kurt Warner doesn't plot his knees that the, the, the Seahawks maybe make a Super Bowl, and then probably lose by seven touchdowns. To I mean, I think, honestly, fans. if he has Kurt
0: Warner, to, if he wants to change one event in his life, it wouldn't be blowing out his knee when he was a black running back. It would be uh, warning his um, wife's parents that the tornado was about to hit the house, and or the trailer, and kill them.
1: Right. Yes. What would he have told them? They didn't have a basement.
0: Just, I don't know. Drive to Otumawa? I don't know. Get, go somewhere. <laughs> get out of the. I got a premonition. Get out of the trailer.
1: Dig a uh, ditch. Dig a ditch and get in it. Yes. So um, the the Seahawks, the Bears finally get another win on the Seahawks in 1990. And it was a very much of a relief because you'll remember, you know, between 1984 and 88, the bears had a great run. They went to three title games. They won five divisions. They won a division every year. Um, yes, they only won one Super Bowl. They, they, put, they played in three conference title games. They were a force. They were every bit uh, you know, of a force as the Giants and Niners and Redskins were. But then 89 happened and the wheels fell off the bus and they crashed and missed the playoffs. So you didn't really know what to expect coming into 90s. It turned out there was like a little bit of a death rattle. Like They put together a couple more of those years where the Bears were going off to great starts and then Peter into December and then you know, unceremoniously get bounced out of the playoffs. But uh, the first sign that maybe we We might be back, at least to that level, was when they shut out the Seahawks. I was a freshman at Northern. I made sure as late as I might have been out the night before, I was always up at noon, as my uh, neighbors on both sides could attest to. But um, they, uh, Dave Craig was still with the Seahawks in 1990, but uh, the Bears finally, what, they went for the first time in 12 years against those Jagoffs? They got them. And then what's funny also then is that because the Seahawks, this was still pre-alignment when if you finished last in a five-team division, you had a whole different schedule than everybody else. Seahawks must have been really bad in the playoffs because I don't think they played the Bears in 93 or 96, which is hilarious when you think that Dave Wanstead was a coach of the Bears for uh, six years. I guess he never would have coached against them. But
0: oh, Poor Wani. He missed yeah. it. Now, so in '99, the, the the Seahawks handed Dick Juron his first career loss,
1: and it was Mike Holmgren's second ever uh, game as a Seahawks coach. Would, so, his, uh, would,
0: so his first Seahawks win because both were one and one afterwards.
1: And the Bears had them on the ropes. First of all, what I remember about this game is that you you know we've talked about how. Jerron comes to town and he hires Space Age Gary Croton, who introduces the wide receiver screen. They have all these receivers on the roster, and they, and they jump out against an angry sort of like. Frustrated Gunther Cunningham in his first game as a Chiefs coach, and uh, the trickery of Gary Crouton and Shane Matthews and Kid McNown lead to uh, lead to uh, a victory. Of Gary Cunningham is grumbling after the game about their rinky-dink high school plays, blah blah blah, and we all laughed, pointed and laughed at Gunther Cunningham. Meanwhile, Mike Holmgren, giant cock that he is, was like very slyly. You know, Holmgren also was famously on the rules committee and he was starting to make some suggestions about Crowton's wide receiver screen and trying to plant the seed that the receivers need to look for a, uh, I think, I don't know if it was downfield or he was trying to kind of get in their head. He was trying to, you know, take the, uh, it was gamesmanship and I'll call him a cock just because that's kind well, of the shtick. So
0: now the, the NFL has a different rule on screen passes than college and high school. Um, in in both college and high school, at least in Illinois, high school, your your lineman can be as far downfield as they want as long as you throw the pass behind the line of scrimmage. In the NFL, they can only be one yard down the field at the time of the pass, no matter where it's thrown. Does that? Do we think that's what Holmgren either got enforced there or they something. got that changed? Because it's were, honestly, it's bullshit. I don't know.
1: I don't know if it's he a, got a terrible
0: change. rule. It's
1: worth investigating. He was all over. It was a new. So I think like Kraut to his credit and people caught on to it and the peers didn't have the personnel to be, you know, to sustain the success, but they did. Crouton did introduce that, that wrinkle, uh, into the league and teams at first didn't, you know, Gunther Cunningham didn't know what how to how to defend it or whatever. And Holmgren, instead of worrying about defending it, started to suggest that it wasn't. So I, I don't know exactly how it ended up shaking out. It turned out not not to really be a factor in that game. I don't think the officials made any calls that nullified any successful gains from that. I just remember that going in that you know Holmgren was trying to you know play a gamesmanship the game itself the bears were winning i think yeah, uh bears the
0: had, bears had the, the lead with uh the ginger
1: haired glenn foley was either a uh, seattle quarterback he was the boston college
0: superstar guy that, and yeah. honestly it was the bears a former bear star wide receiver came back to haunt them he caught a 49 yard touchdown pass from glenn foley with seven minutes to go
1: it was bobby Ingram?
0: it was fabian bones oh jeez
1: oh that's even worse because Fabian Bones hardly did anything with the Bears.
0: I think he hardly did anything with the Seahawks. Well,
1: he beat the Bears,
0: which wasn't hard to do, of course.
1: Yeah. So Holmgren again, you know, the guy who reversed the trend. Him and that redneck from Mississippi, who sort of tur- beat back the tide uh, of Bears dominance in the early '90s. He got one more, but we'll we'll get back to Holmgren. Don't
0: worry. So the next time we would play would be 2003.
1: First time at Seattle's back in the AFC, I believe. And this is in their new stadium. what was at the time
0: called Seahawks Stadium. That's it? They, they didn't go with the corporate sponsor? Well, now it? it's like, I, now it changes like during the game sometimes. I, I will
1: I will, say, I will, say that looks like a pretty cool stadium. I have it to, was I
0: have the 1-4 the and four Bears against the 4-1 and one Seahawks. And Bears played them tough, didn't they? They, they? did. So with this overtime, would, 3 this would have been.
1: Uh, this, Jaron's last, last year. final year. So Cordell was probably starting. I don't think Grossman didn't take snaps till the end of the year. Here's the first
0: round. Oh, no, no. This is even better. Uh, this is the, uh, what do you think? Oft-concussed Bears quarterbacks.
1: Oh, Crystal Chandelier.
0: Yeah. Chris Chandler, who was, when he was upright, was pretty good for the Bears. Problem was that didn't happen or last. Uh, he was a 19 of 34 for 149 yards and two picks. So he didn't really help. Yeah. You no. Know, but, uh,. Oh, Bobby Ingram caught a touchdown pass for the Seahawks. Wow, i was so close. Um, Stanley Pritchett had a one-yard touchdown run for the Bears to tie it in the relatively late in the fourth quarter, with just about yeah. Four I kinda minutes to go. remember. I was in.
1: I remember being in Michigan watching, not expecting that. Would you say the Seahawks were were good, right? Or yeah, they, they were four and one. Yeah, so expecting the Bears to get blown out, and then they pleasant to a very pleasantly surprisingly. Um, yeah battled
0: bears leading rusher that day well actually the the rushing the 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 rushers for the bears it's it's a who's who of great bears
1: (laughs) oh i can't wait to hear uh
0: the the original adrian peterson still in my mind the best adrian peterson 16 Uh for 55 stanley pritchett four for 19 brock forsey one for five okay rabi adula abdullah not Rahib, Rabi. Ra- no, it was, uh, Robbie, Robbie, Robbie Abdullah. Robbie Abdullah. Right? Three it. carries for four yards, and Chandler four for four. How old was yeah. that team one for one and four going into the game with all that talent? Ooh,
1: yeah. Uh, well, that was uh, a peanut and Briggs's rookie year. So good things w- would come on defense uh, later that year. It was when Tillman would help knock Minnesota out of the playoffs by ripping that pass away from Randy Moss. Leading so. receivers
0: in the game for the Bears were Des White and David Terrell. Ah, oh, Jesus!
1: They were still let Terrell hang around okay. two years after he proved to be a bust. Uh,
0: then the next time they would play would be in the regular season in two thousand six.
1: I can just tell you right now, this was the same day that Andy McPhail, uh, that the Chicago Tribune finally made my dreams come true and uh, fired Andy McPhail. That to- happened on the same day as October the
0: first, two thousand six
1: last day of the baseball season I'm pretty sure and they sent that sweater bus packing
0: and the 3 and 0 bears took on the 3 and 0 Seahawks.
1: this was actually the first day that I ever met longtime disciple Andrew Peck who was that still living man. in Indiana at the time he uh become a Bears season ticket holder that year that the bears had lived in champagne so if you if you folks from Indiana want to come to these games in champagne we'll give you a, you know uh, an in for season tickets at the new soldier field and hmm. he's had his tickets since but he drove up for it. and i remember riding the train down when i learned that mcphail got canned which was nice and uh and this was this was a good game i feel like tommy harris was a monster in this game i don't know if this if the stat sheet will show up but it was this was you know kind of like the 84 85 ascension the bears were in the midst of one of the few sort of sustained periods They'd won the division the year before, and they got disappointedly, you know, upset at home to the Panthers. But they came right back in 06, not too dissimilar to '85. They had a chip on their shoulder a bit, uh, and this was a great matchup coming in because uh, Seattle was the defending conference champion. And uh, I just, it was, it was a nice, warm early fall night, and the Bears kicked in. That's all I remember. I, I feel like Tommy Harris was a beast.
0: Yeah, the Bears won uh, thirty-seven to six. Musee Muhammad caught a touchdown pass from Rex. Robbie Gold kicked three, three, three field goals. Thomas Jones had a touchdown run, two touchdown runs, and uh, the Bears bears bludgeoned. The Bears were clicking
1: in your face, Holmgren. We're not bad with you.
0: The uh, the mercifully, uh, Holmgren had to take Matt Hasselbeck out and bring in the great Seneca Wallace to finish things up. Wow. Rex was 17 to 31 for 232 yards and two touchdowns.
1: Nice game, Rex. You hear that, haters? Yeah, what was the Bears' record after that? They undefeated, right? 4-0. Was,
0: they, yeah. Were they off yeah. to Arizona?
1: Nah, uh, that might have couple been... A couple of weeks yeah. later. Because that's my wife's birthday, October 16th, because we were at the yeah, so, two weeks later. Show, so two weeks later, Unless there was a bye in
0: between. But that's not the only time these two teams would play in this, in this season.
1: Much like in 85 when the Bears played the Patriots twice.
0: Uh, January fourteenth, a divisional playoff game of the, what yeah. were the Seahawks? Were they eight and eight? Yeah, I think so.
1: I'm pretty sure. Did they have to win a play? Did they have to? Uh, they would have been nine and eight if if you look at a football reference. Because did they not have the Bears had the top seed?
0: Yes, yeah, so they should have in the conference. Been.
1: So, Bears had a bye. Packers, so I think they're 8 and 8 and they'd probably 9 and 8 coming into the season. Oh,
0: yes, of course, because um this was the game after the um the Seahawks won. Oh, the Seahawks were, they were t- they were uh 9 and 7. So they had a winning record going in. They played the Cowboys in the first round. That's the Tony Romo and it's game. it's the Tony Romo drops the snap game. Remember it
1: now. Um, we taught you actually brought this up recently.
0: Yeah, and I, uh, the bears would have, the bears would have played the Cowboys the next week. Cause the Cowboys were also nine. And okay.
1: Seven. Yeah. Good thing we played the Seahawks. It probably wouldn't have mattered. Bears were bears were kind of destined at least to go so far that year. I, uh, I was fortunate enough to be at this game. I was tailgating and this kind of, I want to share the story cause it just occurred to me. It's pretty funny. This is, um, uh, Well, this is basically an example of our friend Oleg being uh, an up-for-anything guy. But I'm tailgating with my brother and a group of people. We're going to the game. And about 90 minutes before kickoff, my brother comes up to me and goes, hey, you know anybody that wants to go to this game? He goes, so one of their buddies apparently had a, let's just say, a long night, Hmm. uh, apparently. And it was so, uh, you can only imagine, you know, the the variety of, uh, you know, of things that were ingested, but somehow they went to pick him up and could not get him out of the house.
0: Well, it was a noon kickoff. So
1: it was a noon kickoff. Right. And we're tailgating. So we're going to be in that lot at nine o'clock, but now it's like 1030, right? I mean, your soldier Field is already kind of inhospitable to get to anyway. And I'm thinking, well, you're asking me if I want somebody who wants a free ticket. I'm like, well, there's nobody that is going to be able to get down here and is willing to do it on such short notice. I'm like, except, I'm going to make one phone call. So I say, I call up Oleg, and I say, uh, Oleg, you're the only person that I would ever call about this. And he's like, what? Like, he thought maybe I was going to tell him somebody died or something. I go, I got an extra ticket if you can get down here. But if you can't get down here, I'm not waiting for You know, you know I'm like, you got to get down here, like, in an hour. And he lived on the north side. I don't know if he was, like, I don't care if you take a cab or an L. It's, you know, it's a little bit of a hassle to get all the way to that gate. As you, I know you haven't been to a game in a long time, but um, – I don't remember. I don't know how we did it, but uh, mm. I was waiting. Uh, I was waiting in the north end, and I'm looking at my in my watch, and it's like 11:20, and I'm holding the ticket, and uh, yeah. yeah, just like a, a meteor out of the sky, I see this five foot three ball of excitement ambling up from the Field Museum uh, ticket. He's the only person I would have called, because who the hell is going to be like, hey, it's 10:40? I'm already comfortably watching this game. Yeah. And then uh, the seats were up at 400, and he, he said later, I don't even know if he'd remember the, the details here, but apparently uh, two rows behind him was Bill Murray sitting hey. way up in the, four, in the 400 section. So everyone liked that story after the games. Man. Bill Murray sitting all the way up in the 400 section for the playoff game. So,
0: Yeah, so it was the uh, Bears were 13-3. and three. They were um, eight-and-a-half-point favorites.
1: Wow. Yeah, they're the one seed, I guess. That's a. That seems a big
0: number for a playoff game, but they wouldn't cover. They would not. They almost lost. Um, after Thomas Jones got them started on their first drive with a nine-yard touchdown run, the Seahawks scored early in the second quarter when one of the current hosts of CBS this morning scored a touchdown. Was it Gail King or Nate Burleson? Because I don't know. I'm asking. Was get
1: <laughs> Nate Burleson? Was he a former uh, Viking by now? Do I have my years jumbled up, or is he yet to be a Viking? Did he start as a Viking? Uh,
0: that's a good question because he played for the Vikings, the Lions, and the. Um... Oh, he played for the Lions too. Yeah, he finished with the Lions. He started with the Vikings. Then he played. He did. Uh, f- okay. I think he had. His... Have... Did he have his best year for Seattle? I'm just relieved. no. He had a thousand. A... He was a thousand-yard uh, okay. receiver in I... 2004. He's most famous, even though he played four years with Detroit. What he's most famous with, with the Lions, was he was driving home with a pizza on the uh, passenger seat, and he had to slam on the brakes, and he reached over to save the pizza, and he separ- He somehow dislocated his shoulder, <laughs> 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 and he had to miss a game.
1: I don't know if I ever heard that injured before. in a that's, pizza accident. That was the only thing I knew
0: Nate of for until he started hosting Good Morning Football.
1: Wow, so he's uh, he's a pretty polished individual. He's really yeah. No
0: he's he's very he's very good.
1: Well, and I, I, I'm just relieved that it wasn't another middling former Bears receiver that caught the touchdown for the Seahawks because it was you know between Fabian Bones and Bobby Ingram it seemed to start to be a trend. Oh
0: uh, yeah, I wonder if did they have one that they could have thrown to? Now uh, uh, Ingram would have been gone. No, Bobby Ingram's still there. Uh, he okay. caught uh, he caught three passes for 32 yards.
1: Oh, good for Bobby Ingram. So he may have played on the Super Bowl team the year before. Happy, I always like
0: Bobby Ingram. Yeah. So the Bears. Um, this was a back and forth game. Uh, the, so the Nate's touchdown tied the game at seven. Then Bernard Barry caught a 68 yard bomb from Rex. Uh, remember that was one where Bernard. I think. Um, he, so the, he was on nit, the ground. The nitpicky way that they do things now, I'm sure they would have put the ball on the one and made the Bears run it in, but he, he kind of rolled into the end zone and they called it a touchdown.
1: Was that the one? Okay.
0: So that put the Bears up 14-7, to then Sean Alexander tied it, then Thomas Jones put the Bears up 21-14, then Josh Brown made a field goal to, to cut it to 21-17. Then this, and I'd forgotten this because as I was re-watching the highlights of this, Uh, I forgot that the uh, Seahawks took the lead. Sean Alexander scored, and they went up 24-21.
1: I've I've never forgotten it, only because I've always sort of uh, felt myself compulsively defending Rex. Not that I was a big fan, but I always feel like the criticism was a bit outsized and overreactive. And I like to remind people, the Bears were losing this game, not only in the second half, but the fourth quarter.
0: Yeah, see, in my mind, the Seahawks tied it late on a field goal, but it was the opposite. Robbie Gould made a 41-yarder with four minutes to go. Robbie Gold. Uh barely. It was but I, I'll count. You just have to get it yes. through the big yellow Y and you're good. Um
1: you know I I just real quick. I looked up Bobby Ingram and I didn't realize he had a really nice long career with the freaking Seahawks and yeah, he did play at the, with with on their Super Bowl team. He caught 67 passes for him there you go. and he caught si- he caught 6 against Bill Cowers' defense in the Super Bowl. He actually Uh, he actually played in nine playoff games for the Seahawks. He had 35 career playoff receptions with two touchdowns.
0: So Rex in this game was 21 of 38 for 282 yards, a touchdown, and the interception he threw was a slant to Moussin Muhammad that was going to be a touchdown, only Moussin decided not to catch it, and it bounced off of his hands into the arms of a Seahawk. And I believe that was on a drive that the Seahawks scored a touchdown meaning that we've seen cost the Bears 14 points Moose nice That's job a backbreaker but uh, the Seahawks won the toss in overtime
1: and because Marty Morningwood was not coaching on the other sideline it meant that they took the ball
0: yeah they took it and they uh, Sean Alexander ran for 10 yards. Then Maurice Morris Uh-oh. lost two yards. Matt Hasselbeck By the wrote... way,
1: folks, just so you know, in 2006, it's the old overtime rules. You can score in a 70 yard no. field goal, and that's it, in your first possession.
0: So the great Maurice Morris lost two yards. Matt Hasselbeck completed a 10 yard pass to Will Heller, but that set up a third and two. And Matt Hasselbeck was incomplete, throwing for Jeremy Stevens. So Ryan Plackemeyer punted, and his punt was a doozy. It went 18 yards. Okay. Bears took over on the 34.
1: Real quick, I think you overlooked something before we got to overtime.
0: Oh, I'm sure I overlooked things.
1: Like the last few seconds of regulation?
0: Oh, that's right. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. I guess we'll do it now before. <laughs> so I had always... It's, this is the perils of being old. At some point, I remembered to be mad at Lovey for this, but I it had shifted from the end of the game to the end of the first half. Honestly, I think because I wanted to give him credit that he wouldn't be so dumb as to do this at the end of the game. And And so when you and I were looking to prove this before we started, I couldn't find it, and I thought I completely remembered it wrong. And then I decided, well, what if he did it at the end of regulation? And he did.
1: Yes. And by the way, that's not you being old. That's just good old fashioned Mandela effect happens to all of us. You just somehow you got it memorized one way and it's stuck. But this is, you know, this is good that we kind of figured it out because you're right. It was worse than you feared.
0: Yeah. So with a minute 38, so the, after the, the
1: Bears had tied the game, right?
0: Okay. So the Bears tie it with 428 to go. Um, Seattle gets a possession and they get one first down, but then they have to. Um, no, they went for it. Actually, one of the other things that happened in this game, on I think at least two occasions, maybe three, was Seattle going for it on fourth and short, and Lance Briggs tackling Sean Alexander for losses. I
1: do remember that. I remember the Seahawks
0: were the Seahawks had eight plays in the game where they needed uh, either third or fourth down, where they needed fewer than three yards, and they didn't they didn't convert any of them.
1: It's and then Sean and Lance was, was the
0: one making most of the tackles. Yeah, and Sean Alexander and Sean, was a great and, running back,
1: and he was at his peak, yeah. pretty much. He was still at his peak for the most, for as far as a running back is concerned. That's completely, you know, I, in my in my head, I kind of had this image, this recollection that there were a lot of stands. I had no idea it was that insane. Yeah, but I, I mean, you know, Tank Johnson with the big fourth down or third down sack, which yep. you're you're going to get to, I think. But, but the, yeah, that was only one of several. Just big stands by that defense.
0: Yeah, so that happens at the two minute warning. It's fourth and one, and Sean Alexander runs for a t- two yard loss. Uh, Lance with the tackle. The Bears take over on their own 46 yard line. So all they got to do is complete a couple of passes, kick a field goal, and get ready, so, to, get man, ready to play the Saints.
1: I, I will say, I don't recall that the game being that close to the Bears losing. If Alexander picks up that first down, the season's
0: over. Yeah, they're right? going to go down and kick a field goal.
1: Well, and, and the clock's an issue, too. Right. So.
0: Uh, so the Bears get it back, and uh, they go incomplete, three-yard pass, incomplete, punt, touchback. Thank you, Brad Maynard. So uh, with 1:38 to go, so the Bears possess the ball for 21 seconds. Way to go! Oh, I'm
1: you. you I'm sorry. You're, this, you're back into overtime, right?
0: No, this is the end of the regulation.
1: After the Bears tied it.
0: The, yeah, the Bears tied it. Then Seattle had a possession where they okay. had driven sorry, down and could okay. have kicked a could have scored to basically win the game. Uh but then they have the That's great right. play by Lance. So got they it, turn it over on downs. It. Bears go three and out. Mayners punting from his own forty nine kicks it into the end zone. Um now the Seattle has the ball with one thirty eight to go. And they on second down, Sean Alexander gains thirteen yards and for first down. So Seattle uses their first timeout. Then he gains eleven yards. Jesus. Uh, then one more, they call another timeout. They're at their own 45 with 54 seconds to go. Hasselbeck completes the pass for eight yards to Jeremy Stevens. Uh, then Sean Alexander runs for two more yards. They're at the 45 where Matt Hasselbeck spikes the ball on first down. So there's 30 seconds to go. They're on the bears. 45 The,
1: the bears. 45. So they good.
0: need about, you know, 10, 15 yards to realistically try a field goal.
1: Just 10 really. Yeah. Uh,
0: Hasselbeck misses Dion Branch on second down. And on third down with twenty-four seconds to go, he is sacked by the great Tank Johnson for a loss of nine yards. And
1: out of field goal range.
0: So the the tackle happens with like what did we learn nineteen seconds seconds. seconds to go. So now it's fourth and nineteen. And the clock ticks and ticks and ticks, and Troy Aikman and Joe Buck are doing the game. They're like, well, it looks like we're headed to overtime, and then they don't even notice right away. The clock stops at two seconds. They're still expecting the teams to walk off the field and to get ready for the coin toss, and the Bears' defense is standing field, and all of a Brian Urlacher is yelling at the sideline. Like, what the fuck? The Seahawks are out of timeouts, but the clock stopped. Well, Lovey called timeout with two seconds to go.
1: Now, Lovey's thinking.
0: Lovey's thinking was, "Oh, we, we have Devin Hester. We should make them punt." The problem is when you wait until there's two seconds to go, Seattle can just run the last play. They don't need to punt. The worst thing that's going to happen to them probably is an interception. They just have to make sure they tackle somebody. Mo- the best thing that can happen to them most likely is a pass interference. They kick the field goal and they win the game.
1: Yeah. It so was uh...
0: if Lovey had called the timeout with say t- any time say 10 seconds or more. Call
1: it the, as soon as that play ends if right. you're really on top of But even if he couldn't think seconds. of it right
0: away, which just shows that he wasn't thinking ahead. But even yeah. if after a few seconds tick off, he's like, oh, let's do this. Waiting until right. there were two seconds to go, he it's one of the worst coaching fuck-ups yeah. in NFL history. It's, yeah. it's it, mind-boggling. If Matt Nagy did it, which he probably would, fans would come out of the stands and attack him.
1: It would have, uh, if that... if if. What you alluded to being, you know, a, a, a hypothetical a defensive pass interference on the play that Holmgren would run, and they lost—that would uh, that would be talked about as just one of the all-time boners in uh, Chicago sports history, no doubt about it. Yeah, it would still be talking about one Super Bowl appearance.
0: It's, you know, he's lovey. He's got the headset on. He might as well be. He's Black Steve Barton. Oh, he probably has a turtleneck on in in the game, too. So, um,
1: right, right.
0: So anyway, yeah,
1: yeah, he would have been
0: um, Hasselbeck gets pressured immediately The he throws a pass that it goes out of bounds. So it never had a chance rendered, of being it, completed. Yeah, it's rendered moot. But and we go to overtime. It's like, oh,
1: yeah, you know, I really forget. I knew it was a close. I forget what a glass chew what a grinder. That fourth quarter was because mm. like the bear the bears tied at the end they tied it midway through the fourth and then there was like this taffy pull two obviously good defenses and, Seattle had know, the ball and twice and Bears kept pushing but it right times. around midfield too you know it's that was yeah, kind of like how the whole they end got of the game.
0: stopped at the at the Bears forty four on one drive and the forty five on the next
1: yeah
0: uh, so yeah so then the stuff we talked it's about just, Seattle wins it's really the toss. great playoff game. they get one first down but then they have to punt their punter shanks it. the Bears get the ball in their own thirty four. And uh, Cedric Benson runs for no yards. Rex throws an incomplete pass. But then Rex makes a great pass uh, to uh, an actual arena league uh, immortal. Rasheed
1: Davis. Clutch. I love Rasheed. For
0: 30 yards, gets the Bears into Seattle territory. Um, They are at their – they're at the thirty six. Cedric gains a yard, then he gains three more, then Rex throws an incomplete pass, trying to go to Rashid, And so Robbie Gold trots out for a 49-yarder, and he wins the game and sends the fans home in ecstasy.
1: First playoff victory since 1994,
0: which at that point had been 12 seasons. Yeah, it was great. First home playoff victory since, what, the one against the snowball game against the Saints? Yeah,
1: 1990. Yeah, 16 seasons between home playoff. Why did we root root for this? (laughs) It's like, it's funny. Yeah, like what an oasis it was after the Ditka era. You know, you get like that Wanstead, sort of, we thought we were going to be there in 94, and then like the Dick Duran burp in 01, and then this is really it, the
0: next stop. They got knocked out at home the year before. So this happened happened 14 years ago.
1: Right? This happened 15 January
0: years January of 07.
1: Yes. so Basically 15, be 15 years, be 15 and a few 15 years way, yeah.
0: in three weeks. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. 15-year anniversary.
0: They've only won two home playoff games since. they only won two playoff games
1: since. Correct. Since 1990. Yeah. They've only beaten the Seahawks and Vikings. Those are the only two teams they've beaten in the playoffs since uh, since George W. Bush's dad was president. So, yeah. Good times. But they won this day Maybe. and they are going to be in their first NFC conference championship now for the first time in 18 seasons when they uh, got thumped at home by the 49ers. But we're not talking about that because we, we already talked about the Saints because the Bears played them last year and we yep. had much glory to uh, revel. But did the Bears and Seahawks play again between this and the next playoff game? Surely they must have, right?
0: Well, that's a good question because, you know, the NFL schedule makers wanted to do something. Well, so for the third time in 13 months, they would square off, this time in Seattle.
1: Oh, because, oh, okay.
0: They were both well, first-place teams.
1: That, that's why they, so they played each other in 06 because they they're both first-place teams, but the NFC North would customarily play the NFC West like they're doing this year, right, because we're doing this so it'd be uh every 3 years 20 or so eighteen, fifteen, twelve, nine, 12 9 right uh 21 18 15 12 No they played them in 06 not because they both finished first that was, probably in first, the, cause yeah, it was probably that, that was when their their number was up yeah, right they played in 7 they
0: because they were both first place teams
1: that, So the uh, cuz even though the Seahawks were only 9 and 7 they won their division yes. I don't so why don't I remember the 07 game
0: Uh I don't cuz the Bears lost
1: yeah, they lost a lot. They, um, they were, were alive. Um, they were alive until late that year. Yeah, they were
0: four and five coming in. The Seahawks were uh five and four. So evenly matched. Uh the Bears got off to a ten nothing lead on a Cedric Se- Benson Se- touchdown run and a Robbie Gold field goal.
1: Is this in Seattle or Chicago? It's in
0: Seattle. It's what? now called Quest Field, so they finally got their sponsor. Good for them. Uh, then, uh, DJ Hackett cut a 19 yard touchdown pass from Matt Hasselbeck to make it 10, seven. Maurice Morris ran a, or uh, had a 19 yard touchdown run to make it 14, 10. Then, uh, the original Adrian Peterson had a five yard mm-hmm. run to make it 17, 14. Josh Brown tied it. We went at going to the half. Uh, Nate Burleson cut, a, cut another touchdown pass against the bears. And then the, uh, so they made a 24-17, and then uh, Robbie kicked a field goal, and then Josh Brown kicked two, and then Robbie kicked another one just uh, with uh, 13 seconds to go in the game to cut it to seven. So then I'm sure there was an onside kick. and um,
1: Yeah, I got Balls no ball. recollection of that one.
0: It's, it does not seem like a terribly memorable uh, game.
1: So if, they, if that was the year they were supposed to play, then they would play again in three years the next time that they would also play again in the playoffs. So both times the Bears played the Seahawks in the playoffs, they played them in the regular season, right? Twenty ten?
0: They did, but they also played in 09.
1: Because they both finished in the same division spot.
0: That time the Bears That time the Bears went to Quest Field and won. Uh, they won. Twenty five to nineteen. That was Cutler's the great, first year. Oh, they were they were kicking against they were playing against Alindo Mare. Oh, He's been referenced before on this. Former Bear great, Alindo Omari. Yes, Um, I had forgotten he was a Bear. Yeah, Jay, 21 to 27, threw three touchdown passes. He threw them to Greg Olson, Johnny Knox, and Devin Hester. And actually, the Bears were down 13 to nothing and came back to win 25 to 19. So there you go. How about
1: that? Yeah, Cutler, I think it was like a week after he came back against Pittsburgh, too. So, a little bit of optimism early going. I don't remember that game, though. Got to, got to admit, one, another one. So, I've um, got some Seattle blackouts going on. And I I don't know if I remember the 2010 regular season. I should, though, because that's, that's another fun season. Bears when the division.
0: Yeah, this one was in Soldier's Field. Uh, the Bears were 4-1 going in. And they lost 23-20. to
1: Oh, I remember. All right. This was the back-to-back weeks. They played Seattle and Washington in back-to-back weeks. The Washington game was when Cutler got picked off three times by that guy in Washington. D'Angelo Hall. Oh, that's it. Who ironically uh, and, fills,
0: fills in once in a while for Nate Burleson now that Nate has left Good Morning Football. Interesting. Yes.
1: And I just remember that because there's a Seattle-Washington, and then on the Bears' schedule, they played Seattle at home and then Washington at home, and they lost them both, and it kind of represented the low point of the season before the Bears turned things around. I don't know if the Washington game was the week before or after, but it was just another – all I remember about it is that was quarterback, it was quarterback, it was just a dispiriting home loss. Um, I don't know where the Bears were at that point in the season. And, but... and
0: actually, the D'Angelo Hulk it, it was even more impressive what he did, or maybe more mind-boggling what Jay did. It was four interceptions, and they were all in the same half. Ooh. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. It's a, I believe it's still an NFL <laughs> record for most interceptions. It's certainly an NFL record for most interceptions in a half. I think it probably is for uh, for a game. Yeah. Oh, Jay. When Jay was good, and we're going to talk about good Jay here in a minute. Yeah, He was yeah. really good, and when he was bad, he was really bad. Kind of like he is on his podcast.
1: Well there you go. So he's sometimes good actually?
0: No, he's just repugnant mostly now. But still. Nah, I
1: figured, but okay.
0: So I mean, yeah, I so they, they so the Bears lose the regular season game matchup to the Seahawks, who and see the Seahawks were well, it's just three and two. So I guess it's not that weird then. Is
1: the early season, yeah. The Bears were still writing well, I was gonna shit. say it's
0: not that weird then that as they get to the playoffs, the Seahawks. Come into the came into the playoffs at least with a losing record, uh huh. Which like, might have been the first time. No, I think it happened
1: in '82 because of the strike. But
0: yeah, not 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 common, obviously. So the first and time in they, a real season.
1: And then they went out and won their playoff game when Marshawn when went into beast mode. Yes, yeah, so that would have been that the cra- beast. Yes, run.
0: Yes. Was that, yeah, they went, was
1: that, New Orleans or no?
0: They went seven to nine and they won the NFC West. Uh, let's see. Let's see how the other teams did. In the, uh... Oh, yeah, they had a tiebreaker against the Rams. Actually, so the, the division was seven and nine, seven and nine, six and ten, five and eleven. So nobody was terrible, but everybody was kind of bad. Meanwhile, right. in the NFC North, the Bears won the division. They were eleven and five. Green Bay was ten and pay. six, and Detroit and Minnesota yep. were both six and ten. The Bears were the second seed in the playoffs so they had, Falcon, the, they had falcons the were the first yeah, the, yeah
1: falcons were the first and then of course the falcons got upset by the packers whom the bears had let into the playoffs yes by, but then at least that's why the bears hosted the championship game
0: yeah and i believe we we refuted by looking at that bear game the idea that the bears didn't try to win the, the game against the packers because they was, they the played every at the end they yeah. played everybody in that game so they tried they just couldn't beat
1: him. Packers won it at the end. Packers had more incentive, that's all. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the Bears beat yeah. But yes, it's
0: bullshit because if the Bears win if the Bears win either of those games, that one of the NFC Championship game, Aaron Rodgers has never won a Super Bowl.
1: Correct. That's the only year Rodgers won it, so
0: should have a big shiny asterisk. Asterisk on it. Or asterisk. I love when people can't say asterisk. Asterisk, right?
1: So I know they played in 2012, but, again, that must have been because they finished in the same spot in 2011 because they are supposed to play each other at 7, 10,
0: 30. Yeah, they played in 11. Seattle won they, 14.
1: They did play. I mean, Seattle had suddenly become like a divisional opponent. They're yeah. playing every year Yeah, now. they
0: played in. So oh, because they played, they're
1: division winners.
0: That's why they played in 11. Yeah, they played in 06. They played twice in 07. They played in 09. They played twice in 10. They played in 11 and wow. 12 and 15 and 18. And now yeah, they're okay. playing in twenty one. Okay. Um, but yeah, the they, they Bears lost. To... Uh, okay, so what we need to talk about the uh, the playoff game here. So the second playoff game, the second playoff game, the Pete Carroll version.
1: And I know that it's the the most recent playoff win, but I can tell you like. 10 facts about the Bears-Giants game in 85. All I can tell you that I can remember from this much more recent game is it was snowing, and Greg Olson caught a beautiful pass from Jay Cutler um, early on.
0: So this was Jay Cutler's first playoff game. He had never played one in the NFL. Right. And what do you think he did on his very first pass? Got intercepted? No, he threw that 58-yard touchdown pass. That was his first pass. I knew it was early
1: early in the game. I didn't know it was that early. Greg
0: Olson... Had a hundred and thirteen yards receiving at the half,
1: mm.
0: at which point when you I was watching the uh, this one I was watching the highlights it was the NFL Network um, it was actually Rich Eisen and Dion and whoever else yucking it up, and so when Olsen is ca- showing him catching all these passes Eisen makes a crack about how, gee, he's pretty good. He would actually think they would have thrown in the ball during the season. Because this, of course, was Mike Martz, offensive genius, who didn't want a tight end. In fact, he after the season, ends. he yeah. basically bullied the Bears into trading Greg, one of the worst decisions they've made. As a turns because he's a he's a borderline Hall of Famer, As and he should have spent yeah. his whole career with the Bears instead of dicking around to Carolina. Um, he
1: did get to a Super Bowl with Carolina to his credit, but yeah, no, you're right.
0: And the uh, so, what did he finish the game with? I'm sure at halftime, Mike Martz made an adjustment. Uh, Stop <laughs> throwing the ball to Greg Olson.
1: So does Martz not get any credit for the 2010 Bears? They they win in spite of him. Cobb well, was obviously talented.
0: And, I wouldn't and give Martz prime. credit for shit. He was okay. His his act had run its course. Uh, okay, so we had 113 yards at the half. How many how many yards do you think he finished the game with? 119. 113. Did not catch a pass. Yeah, catch. The Bears uh, raced out to a 28 to nothing lead. They had the 58 yard touchdown pass to Olsen. Chester oh. Taylor had a one yard touchdown run. And then Jay had two touchdown runs. The first one was a, a quarterback draw from the six yard line where he actually ran over somebody at the goal line. And it's funny because they, they talked about how. Uh, it's ironic considering what happened a week later. They talked on the broadcast about how, well, he's really athletic and he's really tough, so why wouldn't you, you know, sure. run that play? Where a week later, there were assholes like Maurice Jones-Drew, also who fills in for Nate Burleson's and I'm not Good Morning Football, tweeting things about what a pussy Jay Cutler yeah. is.
1: And Maurice Jones-Drew, unironically too, because I believe he was waylaid with some injury. Well, then the next, night. I think the
0: next season, he just missed a playoff game. Well, that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I believe I this was the early years of Twitter and me, and I believe I also tweeted something like, you know, how can he not just, how can he not try to play? Right. <laughs> it turns out, of course, that he actually had. He had he had tried to play. Try to he finished the half on one leg and could right. barely stand up, much less play. That
1: but all everybody remembers
0: is- about that, we talked about this in the Packer one, was Jay being Jay wearing the cape. Yeah. And just standing, you know, he, looking no, completely he, bored on the sidelines.
1: Not that he should have, but he had no remote sense of optics, it seemed.
0: No, like I, and I talked about it at the time. If that was Brett Favre, they would oh, have yeah. literally, Brett would have made them carry him off the field on a stretch.
1: You would have thought he was a Premier League player. Yeah.
0: So anyway, so the Bears, uh, and then Jay has another uh, touchdown run. And so the Bears are up 28 nothing, with a. Uh, uh, about 10 minutes to go in the third quarter. Like, whew, this is going to be easy.
1: Yeah, how long have you been a Bears fan?
0: And then the Seahawks kick a 30-yard field goal, and then Mike Williams.
1: The big guy that Detroit, one of the many Matt One Millen, of Matt Millen's uh, first-round draft
0: picks. Round draft picks the, the catches ball, a two-yard the touchdown pass from Matt Hasselbeck. That makes it 28-10, but don't worry. The other tight end, Kellen Davis. Catches a 39-yard touchdown from Jay and dunks the ball over the over the goalpost. Oh,
1: that's right.
0: Good and, memory. Everything's going to be fine. I always like Kellen Davis. Seahawks have I, the ball I, with 2.16 with to go. Hasselbeck throws a slant into the end zone. And Peanut Tillman is right there. And the ball bounces off of his hands up in the air to Mike Williams for a touchdown.
1: Mike Williams had two touchdowns in the playoffs. The Seahawks
0: recover the onside kick. I don't remember this. And then the with 124 the, to go, Brandon yeah, Stokely catches a 9-yard touchdown pass from Matt Hasselbeck. Right, now it's still it's 35-24. It
1: was 35-17 at one point. 35-10 before the first score, but yeah.
0: Well, it's 28 nothing, and of course they end up yeah. the Bears end up winning 35-24 in a game they led 28 nothing. Ah, yeah. Uh, Brandon it, Stokely catches come. a 9-yard touchdown pass and then Johnny Knox fields the the final onside kick. And the Bears Very are fitting. off. Very fitting, because I,
1: I want to say Johnny Knox may factor into the next Bears-Seahawks game, but I don't know if that happened in 2011, or true because you just edified me that they, again, because they kept landing in the same spot in their respective divisions, and right around the time that their divisions playing each other would turn up, they played each other so often, and they played in 2011 and 2012. I don't know which one of those is the Johnny Knox game. Oh. It might have, I think it was 2011, actually. Uh,
0: before we get to the Johnny Knox game, we need to luxuriate in the Jay Cutler. Oh, sorry. Game. I didn't mean to hijack it. My bad. Jay, 15 of 28 for 274 yards, two touchdowns. He ran eight times for 43 yards and two touchdowns.
1: That's a hell of a fucking game, man. It's pretty good That's one for, of the best... your,
0: for your NFL playoff debut.
1: It's one of your best uh, playoff performances by a quarterback in Bears history. I'm just going to say that flexively.
0: Uh, I believe, um, no, it was a game before. Yeah, in the 2006 game, uh, the other Manning brother, not Cooper, Ricky, (laughs) had an interception for the Bears.
1: Daniel? Okay, okay, Ricky Manning.
0: No, Ricky Manning. And then this game, you would have had Danielle, who actually, I think, had a, I believe he knocked, oh, shit, who did he, um. You knock somebody out of the game. Yes, early, like on maybe the first or second play. It was a uh, oh, uh, hot shot rookie tight end, John Carlson.
1: Ooh, caught a pass Notre for Dame.
0: 14 yards and Daniel Manning dumped him on his head on the sidelines and Seattle had to play the rest of the game with a backup tight end.
1: John Carlson, one of like 20 like successful white tight ends out of Notre Dame. And of course it looks like the Bears get the one who's a complete uh, apropos of
0: nothing. Yeah, they're getting the uh, the Anthony Fasano of uh,
1: well, yeah, Fasano. Uh, I mean, you go back to Mark Bavaro, but there's like two or three more besides. I can't even. They're not springing to
0: mind, but there's. Uh, well, Notre Dame's like, tight end, you. Yeah, even go back apparently. to like to like uh, Derek Brown and Irv Smith. Hell, Irv Smith Junior. is in the NFL now, for God's sakes. Wow. But yeah, there's John Carlson and Kyle Rudolph.
1: Kyle Rudolph, and, uh, that's right. There's one more I know that I'm there's, missing. The there's backups.
0: Attention. There are backup Notre Dame tight ends playing you, in the NFL. That that you know. Holy crap! I kind of remember name. that right. guy.
1: Right. Or they might be the Matt Cass. But now you shouldn't besmirch
0: Cole Komet. Cole caught like six or seven passes on Monday night, and as I noted to Mike uh, Pusateri, uh every time he caught the ball, it was like third and twenty, and he caught like a five-yard pass. <laughs> Do you think maybe the defense was had backed up a little bit? Maybe.
1: Not like a Greg Olson bursting.
0: You know, I'll tell you the guy the, the bears. Seam. Can the Bears just trade him yeah. for Michael Mayer, the current Notre Dame tight end, who's freaking really good?
1: They might be able to do
0: that. Maybe nobody will notice. They just swap him.
1: You don't think Cole Komet could, like like break open on a scene. I actually don't worry about of, it next year. Like Greg Olson did in this playoff game
0: next year. When, when John Gruden comes in and puts in his offense, oh, Cole command is going to be, he's uh, going to be fine
1: because uh, what's his name? Waller turned into a good tight end.
0: Yeah. Or maybe, I don't know. And if they don't want to go with Gruden, then maybe they just go with urban Meyer. There's lots of good coaches out there. that they can get.
1: <laughs> what are you trying to do? Where's anyway? Bobby
0: Petrino these days?
1: I just want to relive past bears, glory and peace. What are you doing?
0: I don't know, speaking of past bears' glory, uh, I think I'm pretty sure Mark Trustman's still available. Could try. Terrific,
1: that. yes. Fire up that try great that again. Cup you could. I think Geron
0: is still alive, right?
1: And yeah, I'm, I'm too busy reveling in the only two playoff victories of the last 27 years, both against the same borderline 500 team from the West Coast. Can All right. So,
0: me... did you know the answer to our? And the, I, this is nothing like talking about the the other podcast this week. But as I went through and tried to figure out, it, other than John Fox, if the Bears had ever hired a coach who'd been a head coach in the NFL before.
1: No, it's, that was now when Fox was hired. They he was the first out.
0: one? Okay.
1: Correct. Yeah, I couldn't yeah.
0: remember. I, I actually thought of another guy the other day. I'm like, oh, maybe it was that guy. But it wasn't. Was it Luke Johnsos? It wasn't Luke Johnsos. Um, was
1: it, uh, uh, was it uh, Dutch Sterneman?
0: <laughs> it might have been. It probably was Dutch Sterneman. <laughs> Is it Ralph Jones? Why wouldn't it have been?
1: He was a college coach, Ralph Jones, before he took over in, in uh, 34. Yeah. No, it was – in fact, until Jack Pardee, they would never hired a coach outside of their incestual fishbowl because even, you know, like whenever Halas would have to jump on a Navy cruiser, you know, like – Anderson and John Sos we were still Bears and Dutch Sterneman was still a bear and Patty Driscoll, even though he was originally a Cardinal, was still a bear. And then when Hal finally retired for the last time, Jim Dooley and Abe Gibbon were Bears. And so until Part they never hired a non bear, and then until Fox they never hired a guy that had been a coach with another NFL
0: team. So, so how did you like the uh, the NFL films footage of the of the mascot liked yeah. up? Uh, I
1: made I made a comment on the pointless exercise. I know you did. Yes, I, it was yes. that was a
0: regular season game at Dyson. It was a regular season
1: game. No, but, uh, characterizing that guy as Mike Norris' dad was absolutely perfect because yeah,
0: I'm, I'm pretty sure it probably was. Um, he
1: he kept saying uh, uh, I kept saying I kept thinking he was going to say fuck, but he kept saying <laughs> what was it? The, that he kept saying like forget about it. Well, he or, got leaped
0: quite a few times, even yeah. Uh, which is great sure. to have your mascot swear and he was there were t- and well even Steve Sabo oh, says yeah, in the thing was, they there was stuff they couldn't like some of the stuff we saw right they couldn't the use right. back then because he was literally criticizing Bears players yeah. during the game in his mascot outfit on the he never left the Bears sidelines he clearly and how about the fact actually the ma- the head is really cool like that's a really good, but he had to he had to pay for it himself. I know, yeah. Hallis wasn't going to give many, and I love the fact that he kept calling Mugs uh, Mister Hallis Jr. Correct, yes, Mister Hallis Jr. Mister Hallis. No, Hallis his Hallis. expression
1: was, uh, uh, I just had it on the tip of my tongue again. He said, uh, um, uh, "No, I'll, it'll Pasta come fazool. to me." Just, is that what he said? No, saying? It, it was. <laughs> Forge- it wasn't forget about it, but it sounded like he was about to say fucking uh, whatever. If it comes back to me, I'm going to bring it up because I kept laughing every time he'd said it. Oh, fuck, crying out loud. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's great. Central Casting, that guy. They don't make him like that anymore either. You could scour. What did they say his full time job was? He was a baggage o- handler. O'Hare, he was a window right? washer a window at O'Hare, washer. I thought.
0: Yeah, at O'Hare. Yeah, I remember he was at O'Hare. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, boy. Um, okay, so, yeah, so the Bears win this game in 2010. They go on to the NFC Championship game where yep. they yep. Uh, they beat the Packers, and then they go on to the Super Bowl to play the Steelers. They
1: beat the Steelers. And they beat the
0: Steelers, and, uh-huh. the Steelers, and uh, Lovey got a contract extension, and Jerry Angelo became president, and Chris Ballard became the general manager, and the Bears have been really good ever since.
1: Thanks it for all, reminding me that we had Chris Ballard. It over all worked
0: one. out. <sighs> oh, it's the Chris Ballard thing is worse because – they literally hired Chris Ballard was the other guy that they interviewed when they hired Phil Emery.
1: Wow. Just like Bruce Arians was the other guy when they hired Mark Tressman. Yep. Just these so, missteps. So all I mean think about how, think about have. how much different Such life is now as a
0: Bear fun. fan if within the within that one week they hire Chris Ballard and Bruce Arians. <laughs> no. Instead of Phil Emery and Mark Tressman.
1: Incredible. Uh, so, by the way, I can so pretty much confirm. I can pretty much confirm that the 2011 Seahawks game was the Johnny Knox game because I feel like okay. it was at the tail end of that run when Cutler got hurt against the Chargers when he was having like an MVP season. And look at the Bears are going to get back to the NFC Championship so, game.
0: So by Johnny Knox game, you mean the game where he got hit and his head touched the back of his feet?
1: Correct. Yes. Correct. Yes. He I mean, basically uh, it's broke like- his spine. Right. There's like a classic Simpsons episode from like 1993 uh, during their golden era when it's that episode where, you know, Homer's a shitty dad to Bart. So Bart goes out and gets a big brother. It's voiced by Phil Hartman. And then, of course, Homer, you know, sophomorically gets his own little brother to sort of compete with him. And at one point, there's a showdown between Homer and Bart's super cool uh, big brother. And they get you know a knockdown drag out fighting at the end. uh, Tom, I think his name was. Gives a, a punch to Homer who is standing in front of a fire hydrant, falls backwards, and then his head ends up like the top of his head ends up just making an arc, like a St. Louis arc uh, over the fire hydrant. And Homer just says, This is more painful than it looks. And that's always kind of how I pictured the Johnny Knox injury. The only other thing I'm going to add because somebody's going to mention this, whether it's Andrew Peck or Kyle, our old buddy, I think you mentioned it before. This was at the tail end of when the Bears had lost those games against the AFC West and all they had to do was squeak out one or two games with Caleb Haney and they lost them all and like the season was already lost and the only thing I'm going to say poor old Johnny Knox is that he wouldn't have gotten hurt if he caught the pass and that I said maybe some regrettable things in a group text about uh, you know my thoughts on Johnny Knox
0: well let's uh, let's see what happens
1: Uh, I don't know I don't know third
0: and six Chris Myers.
1: Oh, it doesn't look that bad before
0: the replay. So he caught the pass and fumbled. And when he tried to recover the fumble, that's when his head snapped
1: Correct. If he hadn't fumbled, he'd still be
0: alive. I mean, how bad could he have broken his back? He's touching his head. It can't be that bad. That's what I was talking about earlier. You have an opportunity to make a play. It's a terrific throw from Caleb Haney. It comes out on time. Watch him throw right in between the corner. And terrific the safety. throw from and Caleb 31 Haney. 31, right there, Cam Chancellor. Oh, my God. <laughs> the other safety gets his hand on oh. but he
1: got <laughs> knocked <laughs> it out. by Hargrove, I don't know if I can look at out. that again. Hargrove nails Johnny Knox, right? Yeah, there you can't uh, see uh, from that. Hey, right there. Hey, there. Oh, there. I'm glad other angle was. I don't obscured. know who the other announcer was. Was that the great? That player? is was almost, that the great? The other know. Tim Ryan? Is that who the I other think, guy? Yeah, was? The, one of the guys like along with T- the aforementioned Tank Johnson and uh, Shea Shea uh, sullied Solid Dan Hampton's number ninety nine. I don't know that I've ever actually seen that play because I was listening to it. I was in Michigan, and of course, we well, were listening were on, to it. But I got it on then the Then you don't
0: know what happened because it, know, it was Jeff Joey. That, that's, what...
1: <laughs> that's
0: right. You <He> thought he <laughs> caught a, He thought he scored a touchdown.
1: I just know that I had no sympathy for him without knowing the extent of his injury.
0: So he makes That's the catch, the he gets the ball knocked out of his hands. the ball kinda of bounces backwards. So he goes to dive for it and Anthony Hargroves is heading Sprinting. Uh he's heading left to right on your radio dial, and Johnny right. is heading right to left. And uh Johnny's ah. neck uh starts going in the opposite direction.
1: It's it's almost Seisman esque.
0: Jeez. Yeah. I, mean, I don't watch it ever now because Johnny um uh he missed the that was it, right? That was the NFL. He never he, he
1: never he never played another snap in the NFL. Uh,
0: but as far oh, as we know, he oh, job, has job, use job. of his legs again.
1: And the Bears lost. they lose one more game to the Packers. They they, they went on a, a five game they were seven and three and then they lost five in a row and this Seahawks game was the fourth of those five, which I think they were already sort of just about out of it. They were certainly in the hunt. Um but losing that game then was you know that was it, and no more waiting back, waiting around for Cutler to come back. We're not, we're not going to the playoffs this year.
0: So they would next play in 2012 at also at Beautiful Soldiers Field, and the Bears are eight and three. The Seahawks are six and five, and the Bears uh, they score first. Earl Bennett, twelve yards from Jay. A couple of yeah. Vandy stars. This is uh, hooking up. We there. we met.
1: We mentioned this game actually. I remember this is basically Lovie's last stand. Yeah. And also the emergence of Russell Russell Wilson.
0: <laughs> he kind of uh, ties kind
1: He kind of arrived. They tied it because they had a they were down seven whole fucking points inside their own five with 2 minutes to go in the game. I'm sorry, are you early in the set, you're not in the fourth quarter. You're just going through from from the beginning. Yeah. When, and the tie, right. Okay, so we'll anyway, it was quarter.
0: uh the Bears were up 14-10 to 10 after uh, Matt Forte caught a 12-yard pass from Jay. Oh, which reminds me. that's nothing like doing this podcast in order. It's talked about So people remember the – if you remember the 2010 Seattle game at all, we were all traumatized by the Packer games. So we remember that. We remember B.J. Raji and Jay getting hurt and yeah, all that bullshit. So. Uh, Jonathan Quinn. If you remember anything about the Seattle game, you remember the Bears getting off to the early lead, and then you remember the snow because it snowed then. Yes and it would kind of snow in the championship game. Of course, it had it had snowed in the championship game in 06. And it's Chicago, in the winter, it snows. What you might not remember is one of the things that spurred the mini Seahawk comeback was a, an interception. And you're like, an interception? You just read Jay's stats. He didn't throw an interception? No. Matt Forte did. Oh. Up 28-0, or maybe 28-7, the Bears went wildcat, even before it was a thing. And... Forte had nobody open, and he's standing back there like he's, you know, fucking. He's patting the ball. Like he's Dan Marino, and he throws a horrible interception. So that's what I remember about that. Okay. So anyway, as uh, my digression to uh, Matt Forte's <laughs> terrible pass, I was only reminded. So can't... yes. So in the in the twenty twelve, game, Forte catches a touchdown pass from Jay, makes it Bears go fourteen to ten in the third, and then uh uh A ghost of uh, Bears' future of this, but past now, I guess. Golden Tate catches a uh, 14-yard touchdown pass from Russell Wilson
1: with 24
0: seconds to go to put Seattle up 17-14. But Robbie Gold makes a field goal at the horn to tie it, and we go to overtime.
1: So the the drive I I just referenced earlier is that, yeah, I, I had forgotten that Wilson left enough time So they were actually down four. So I remember thinking they had a first and goal, like inside their own 10, and they just, Wilson, he he arrived this game. He moved them down the field, and he did it quickly, and they took the lead. And gold saved their bacon, but it didn't matter as soon as Russell Wilson got the ball. Wilson was starting to feel it. This was like a very much of a departure. The Bears were eight and three. They'd lose a few games after. Seattle would go all the way to the I think the conference title game before back to back Super Bowls. I feel like this was a sort of a departure point for both teams
0: this game. So I so I had to look up how the Bears ended up scoring. So
1: Oh, it was a huge pass actually. From color, color completed some ridiculous fifty-yard pass to somebody to put them in. Because yeah, we thought the game was over. Fifty-six
0: yards to Brandon Marshall, with nine seconds to go. Then they ran Matt Forte once. (laughs) Called timeout with three seconds to go, and Gold made a forty-six-yard field goal.
1: That's right. I just it just came back to me. That Cutler actually almost fished, you know, f- pulled that game out of the water. This was on the defense. This game, and it was actually a sign that like or et all, were getting a little bit long in the tooth. Yeah. I think.
0: Well, they would hand the defense over to Mel Tucker the next year and blame blame oh, him yeah. for how bad the defense was. As,
1: as we've said, between the nineteen ninety five and twenty thirteen Bears teams, those are two teams that. A less than stellar defense probably kept them from making the playoffs. Only two times that's
0: probably happened. So here's an interesting thing on the on the Russell Wilson touchdown pass to Golden Tate. Replay had to um, had to confirm whether or not the uh, Tate broke the plane of the goal line, and they said that he did.
1: I kind of remember
0: that. Seattle gets the ball to start overtime.
1: Yeah, Bears never see the ball again. Do they? No,
0: they they go on a very long slow drive. so with, uh, cause this was 15 minute overtime, not 10 minute overtime. Right. And, uh, with seven but, minutes and 40 seconds to go. So they held the ball for almost half the overtime already. Russell Wilson threw a 13 yard touchdown pass to Sidney yeah. Rice and the replay had to confirm that Sidney Rice had, uh, had broken the plane.
1: So I think that they had implemented the new rule where you had to score a touchdown or the game continues, but didn't uh, lop off the five minutes, right? Like that's kind of been an evolving. Uh, yeah, they
0: cut off the, the five minutes basically to try to recently. shorten. Right.
1: But I think the whole For idea safety. of where if you get the, and each team's respect the first drive, they have to score a touchdown or whatever the first team hit. If they score a touchdown, they win. Uh, but if they only get a field goal, the game continues. I think that was an effect here in 2012. So it was like, yeah, just hold them to a field goal. And they couldn't. The defense just, they were done. This was the beginning of the end for Lovey. This is one of the last games he would coach cuz they they went in the Skids second straight year. They just sort of hit the Skids in November and missed the playoffs. And even though they finished 10 and 6, that would cost Lovey job.
0: All right. So the next time they would play is I'm going to put this in I'm going to say something that people are going to be like, "Oh, come on, it's the Bears. How could it be?" is one of, maybe, it, it might be the worst offensive game in Chicago Bears history. And think about that. i got to pull this given game Given the off. exciting offenses that they've rolled out over the years. This would have been a John Fox special in 2015.
1: 2015. In Seattle. Okay.
0: Jimmy Clausen getting the start for an injured Jay Cutler. Unlike the fact that in Mark Trestman's second-to-last game, he had gotten the start just to prove... That uh, his offense worked, that Jay just wouldn't make it work, and Jimmy was terrible. And and that hurt.
1: I think our old friend Kyle pointed out that hadn't. Had trust me, not messed with that. That Cutler would have finally at least. uh was the, four thousand Gotten the yeah, gotten the monkey off
0: our back, and, yep. and that stupid benchmark. Okay, so the Bears lose the game twenty-six to nothing, in what's now CenturyLink Field, but that doesn't even. <laughs> it doesn't really do it Trap. justice. Uh, let's look at the box score. Jimmy Clausen. 9 of 17 for 63 yards. He was sacked twice, lost 15 yards. That means he had a net total of 48, which is 47 yards more than than Justin Fields had against the Browns this year. So how could it be worse? You ask. Well, how about this? The Bears had the ball on 10 different drives in the game. This is how the this is how their drives went. 3 plays, minus 6 yards, punt. Seven plays, 37 yards. Hey, pretty good. Punt. Three plays, That's seven funny. yards. Punt. The big drive of the game. 11. They start at their own eight. 11 plays, 47 yards. Punt. Six plays, 14 yards. Punt. Four plays, 14 yards. Punt. Three plays, minus 14 yards. Punt. Three plays, nine yards punt three plays eight yards punt and finally three plays five yards punt they had the ball 10 times and they punted every single time
1: i just want to say hearing that um makes me uh happy with my decision to just black out of the john fox era because pretty brutal. I'm trying. I'm looking up I have some other games that are springing to mind. I'm, I'm wondering if that is one of the uh, so would they have a total I mean so they never they only punted even at the end of the halves.
0: Yep. They did not. They never, they were never even close enough in a game they, they didn't were turn being it over blown on out downs. In, to just go for it on fourth down. They just they could yeah. never even do that. Uh they they rushed for 98 yards. They passed for 60 uh, okay. So they had 146 total yards. Seahawks had 371. They did not turn okay. it over, as you said, because they punted every time. Um, Pat that Pat O'Donnell, player, of the, he got a game ball, I'm sure, and he also probably went on the uh, went on the injury list with a uh, t- very very tired leg. Punted ten times for 477 <laughs> yards, 47 yard per punt average, a long of 72. Way to go, Pat. The best thing wow. about your team not moving the ball is you get to just boom it. You never have to try to pin somebody inside the 10. You're way too far away. You just kick that fucker as hard as you can every time.
1: So, like, the the, the only game that springs to mind when um, when you kind of go over that, so I don't know where this is going to compare, but I'm pulling it up is that Bears 49ers game, uh, which was like the last death rattle of whatever is left of Cade McNown's career in late 2000, which we talked about, happened to be uh, Jerry Rice's last uh, home game at Candlestick Park, but then Terrell Owens upstaged him by catching 20 passes against the Bears, which showed how porous the Bears' defense was. But what was most noteworthy about that game was that Cade McNown and the Bears' offense were unable to cross midfield. Yeah. And when I look at the offensive numbers of the game, I'm gonna say that game was statistically worse because the Bears had thirty-nine rushing yards and sixty-five net pass they had 104 total yards. So that game is actually worse yardage wise. But um that's pretty goddamn incredible, this Clawson game. It's probably they're probably similar. I'm sure they the Bears punted just about every possession. Um that definitely ranks up there, and that you know, we're dealing with a franchise that has had plenty of low bars.
0: Well, in this game, the Bears only crossed the fifty once. Um, <laughs> it was on a possession where they got the they got the ball on their eight, and they gained forty seven yards. They got to the Seattle forty five. Woo! How do you not go for it on that one? You're already down at the time. Uh, oh, I guess they were only down three nothing. That's why. So they were not gonna. Okay. Punt. They were gonna punt there. They're gonna pin him, and then they go. You know, then the defense is gonna take over, huh, John? Adam.
1: Well, this is the this is the good news. This was only John Fox's first year, so yeah. you know things are gonna get better, right?
0: Yeah. That was that was better, the first. Actually, John Fox's <laughs> last year was better than this current season. Okay. So and actually, that was bad.
1: Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. You're right.
0: But Absolutely. it was better. So, um, actually, here's a good Seattle tie-in. So the the Bears game against the Browns, in which they they had a net
1: oh, forty seven yards. Yep,
0: is we had and it's funny. I went to Google it and it filled it in because I've clearly already Googled it. The fewest yards gained in an NFL game ever. The Seattle Seahawks, in November November fourth, nineteen seventy nine, their total yardage for a game against the Rams was minus seven. Wow. Going to be tough to beat.
1: Jack Youngblood
0: was all over the place.
1: Well, there, we got a nice little Seattle uh, factoid in there that they're the proud owners of the most inept offensive performance in any one single NFL game. So, so that Bears that that Browns game this year does that rank it with the ones we just dug up? Because that was pretty bad, right? Did they they didn't they barely had a hundred yards net yards in that game? I thought. In which game? And then the uh, the the Bears Browns game this year, right? You, you forty-seven reference. Oh, Jesus. So that was worse. That's not a new bar, at least yeah. if, at least amongst the ones that we're talking yeah. about. And then, I don't know, I mean, not surprising that I might reference another one from the Matt Nagy era, but didn't they have that Saints game, or is that more like the the pathetic thing about that Saints game, was that they only threw, like, they only ran the ball three times? That's seven it. Times it was something.
0: their rush. They didn't even try to rush the, okay. run the
1: ball. so it wasn't like, okay, but I can't imagine. that when they, they lost in overtime. There.
0: They, lo- they lost okay. that game to New Orleans in overtime. Um... Okay, so here's another nice parallel. So we said that Dick Duran's first win was against Seattle. Uh,
1: Dick Duran's first win was against the Chiefs. Then he lost against uh, Seattle. Mike Holmgren's first win as a Seahawks coach was against the Bears. Oh. Was it Foxy? No, Fox lost
0: to them. Okay, so there wasn't anybody. I just said it wrong. Anyway, Matt Nagy's first career win was against the Seahawks.
1: So, this is the last game before Sunday, right? Yep. I'm only going to tell you that I don't know who the Cubs were playing that night, but I just, you know, the Bears won.
0: September, September 17th, 2018.
1: Yeah. I was watching whatever the – and this was the Cubs season, of course. They got run down by the Brewers not frustrating 18 season. But I was definitely watching the Cubs game and not the Bears game because I didn't care about the Bears – I knew who Trubisky. Was. I mean, I, I cared about the Bears, but like I was more interested in the Cubs staying alive. I'm like, why am I wasting my time watching the Bears? But they won and some people expected them to win. And uh, you know, twenty eighteen was another one of those fun years. It seems like the Bears the Bears don't make the playoffs much, but it does seem that whenever they do, they tend to play the Seahawks during that season's regular slate of games.
0: Kyle Hendricks and the, the Cubs it was, beat, beat Patrick Corbin and the Diamondbacks five to one.
1: There you go. Edwards almost Kyle.
0: through a complete game. Uh, the great tiny face, Justin Wilson, had to come in to get the final out.
1: Beautiful. Chuck's kids got to make you got to make sure you post that one so Brandon can see it. Yeah. Um, but that so that was Monday night football, though, right? That was a Monday night game. That was a Monday night Bears Seahawks game. Yes, in Soldier Field.
0: Yeah, Bears, that's all I can tell Cubs, you. The Cubs were in Arizona, so it would have started okay. a little later. Would have started after the Bears game.
1: So, I probably started watching the Bears game and then I turned it off. And then, hey, look at that. The Bears won. And then,
0: you know, again,
1: that was a season the Bears would keep winning. I don't have too many of those. So, I try to remember them. So a, try to uh, hold them dear to my heart.
0: A great first round place kicker made a 50, first round draft pick place kicker made a 56 yard field goal at the end of the second quarter for Seattle.
1: It was Janikowski?
0: Sebastian Janikowski. Riding he, out was, the... he was as wide as he was tall by then, too. Which
1: yes. He was he almost justified Al Davis investing a first round. He had a great pro career. Yeah, he had a good
0: career, I, you know. Maybe just uh, a good, good good career. Anthony Miller caught a 10-yard pass from Mitch Prince. Amukamara oh, had a 49-yard interception return for a touchdown. And that's about it. The Bears won
1: 24-17. It is kind of funny to see how quickly the Bears fortunes changed. That was another, you know, that was the front end of what we were hoping to be another ascension. And it was only three years ago. And now it's like completely in tatters. Yeah. (laughs) When the next time they meet, like since they met, the bears hadn't even ascended yet. We didn't know what they were. And they have since reached some heights, some potential, and then disappointed. And then completely, they have reached depths now that, you know, we've seen this before, but the current Bears iteration is about as low as they've ever been in our lifetime. It's shades of 1999. It's shades of you know before they hired Ditka uh, after the '81 season, and uh, and it's it's almost alarm. It's arrestingly uh, noticeable how quickly that happened because they only faced the Seahawks three years ago, and they were you know they. Uh, they were yet to experience this brief burp of success before just completely plummeting to being one of the worst teams in the league. So, cheers.
0: So, this would have been a, uh, if things had happened a little different in the offseason, this, this would have been Russell Wilson's first game against his old team. Russell playing for the Bears, of course, because they were one of the teams he was willing to be traded to. and the Bears that would did, have been the, idea and the Bears. Made to... it, and the Bears made some sort of trade offer which sounds um, like they tried to trade all the guys they had to cut because of the sour cap like Kyle Fuller I, and
1: I thought maybe it'd be like a box of Virginia's ribbon candy
0: maybe that Sweet oh I, she may have thrown that in she might have thought that was a little too steep to include that right. I, We can't yeah, give man. everything up guys <laughs> but instead um it's the uh, you're going to get a lot of uh Justin Fields Russell Wilson um comparison. cops
1: yes. yeah i'll take him um, I Justin mean, Fields, know, wh-
0: yeah, Russell Wilson has been a great NFL quarterback and Justin Fields is like a actual NFL sized version of Russell Wilson. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Is Russell Wilson, has he achieved the heights of becoming the Seahawks all time leading passer? Do we know? We already went over the runners. We got Sean Alexander. Is it uh, it's is, is it Matt Hasselbeck? I think the question is that Matt Hasselbeck or Russell Wilson, I don't think Dave Craig was there long enough to rack up uh to have stood the test of time. Dave Craig may have been the right type guy. It's Russell Wilson. He's got
0: 36,404 yards.
1: Jesus. I uh, don't know really how many. Let's see career.
0: how many the Haths had.
1: Oh, while well, you do that, I'm going to I'm going to look up the uh, tiny-handed Dave Craig. back
0: 29,434. Dave Craig was third, Jim Zorn was fourth. So the so, guys you so, guys you would expect are 1 through 4 on their So defense. of course
1: the uh, the Seahawks who have only been oh, around See if you can guess
0: who number five is on the all-time. He was a number. He Seahawks. was a he was the a... a... number two pick in the draft. Oh, Rick Meyer. Yes, Juanie's buddy, yeah. Rick Meyer, is number five at nine thousand and ninety-four yards. The guy who Dennis Erickson actively tried to ruin his career, and he mostly succeeded, but then Wani finished it off.
1: That's ridiculous. That Meyer actually. Threw Meyer had for a for great rookie year. Yards. He was better than Drew Bledsoe Bledsoe as a rookie.
0: And then Erickson came in and basically said, all right, I don't want this fucker, and we're not doing any of this shit. And they stopped running anything that Tom Flores was running. And Rick, which is ironic now because one of the top quarterbacks in the high school class of, I think, 2022, so next year's class, is Rick Myers' kid. Oh, Jesus Christ. that's That's how old we're all getting.
1: Well, I know that, but um, all right. So I looked up Dave Craig. By the way, his career, Dave Craig, because he, you know, he played for the Bears, uh, multiple teams, Lions. I remember him playing. He took the Lions to the playoffs. I want to say, but he threw in his career for over thirty-eight thousand yards. We all know already that the the Bears' mark is twenty-three thousand something with Jay Cutler, who barely eked past uh, Sid Lockman with you know six, seven, ultimately disappointing seasons. However, Dave Craig with the Seahawks. You said he's third. And I can tell you, because I'm looking at it now, he had uh, he finished with a total of 26,132 yards. So basically, the Seahawks, who have only been in existence for 45 years, have not one, not two, but at least three quarterbacks who have thrown for more yards while wearing the uh, Seahawk uniform yeah. than the Chicago Bears. So ever, who have been around for 101 years. And you know what? I'm gonna look up Jim Zorn because I mean, if if Craig cleared the Cutler Bar by 3,000 yards, it's entirely possible. At uh, Jim Zorn, the, the Seahawks may have actually had four uh, quarterbacks with more career passing yards with them than anybody. Oh, I'm
0: bears. sure. Uh, so yeah, and Rick Meyer updates. Um, you want to feel even older? His older son Morrison plays lacrosse at Notre Dame and is a grad student. Jesus Christ. But his younger son has already been offered a scholarship by Michigan. We've well, we got to put an end to that. Future Notre Dame, or uh, future Bear coach, Jim Harbaugh. He won't be around, Charlie. You can, you can sign there if you want, but he's, he's coming he'll, to the Bears.
1: He'll be president of football operations. By the way, Jim Zorn, just over 20,000 yards with, with just the Seahawks. So they're through one 10-game stretch of having um, four quarterbacks with more passing yards uh well, than I mean, if, than the bears.
0: If, if you know the way COVID is going right now, if Jim Zorn might have to suit up and play on Sunday. <laughs> and then how many yards he said he needs? Three thousand. Yeah, that's possible against this Bears team.
1: He might be good for it. I think
0: he can do it. Alright, so there we go. That's uh we hit most of the eighteen games in the history of this uh
1: I think we did. Yeah, I hate, even I hate more, to call it even, a
0: rivalry because it's not really, but it's this matchup. It,
1: it's not, you know, they were. We have fond playoffs. memories
0: of the Seahawks mostly because they the Bears have beaten them in the playoffs twice.
1: Right, which which washed away memories of Bob Avellini's interception and, no, it'll never ruining, do that. and ruining Walter Payton's last uh, regular season home game and um, and Mike Holmgren up to some hijinks with a mediocre team that still beat a mediocre Bears team, you know. That's pretty much it.
0: So, uh, let's see, next week is the Giants.
1: Yeah. An original. A charter franchise like the Bears.
0: So we'll see what we do for that one. We uh as you pointed out to me, we had a, we had some really good Bear Giants stuff in last year's pod. So we may uh Yeah well, I just want to like, call it a rerun, I may just repackage some of it. Maybe add a few new insights to it. But
1: uh Right, you know it's over the house the network they not, you know, air uh, first run episodes back on like the must see TV days, you know, Uh, something for your holiday listening. I mean, I don't know how much more we can add. I think, you know, we've we've broken down. uh, I like the idea of breaking down games, which we do sometimes when we run out of like, you know, scouring over uh, a a franchise's history. And I think. Uh, I, I'm not in the mood to do it now for the Giants, but you know if they play again next year, maybe we can revisit that '87 Monday Night game or something yeah. like that. You know, yes, the, uh, that's always the fun matchup. To do. But I think other
0: two of the greatest Super Bowl champions of all time. Yeah. And of course it was I Phil Simms and Mike Tomzak.
1: <laughs> exactly, probably had his greatest NFL game in that. and yeah, that, 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 that was a, that was his bright spot. But like, yeah, I I just happened to listen to it just to see if there's any th- stones left unturned, and I we pretty much covered it even from a historical perspective and it would.
0: All right. I guess Mike's uh, Mike has crapped out on him again. So we'll wrap this one up. I hope you enjoyed the uh, podcast. If not the outcomes, Uh, although I guess in in eight of them, we were pretty happy. So yeah, next week it'll be the Giants and then we do have something special planned again for uh, the Vikings, the final week. Um, we're going to look back at the uh, at the Jim McMahon game, the Thursday night game um, on ABC, when he came off the bench and threw the consecutive touchdown passes to bail out the Bears. Uh, so you got that to look forward to. So uh, hey, for everybody out there, have a merry Christmas, and we will uh, see you again here, or here, you will listen to us again here next week. Thanks a lot. Many of us have
1: herpes.